Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Today's show is sponsored by Eden Foods, the most trusted name in certified organic clean food. When you shop online at EdenFoods.com, enter the coupon code ORGVIEW to receive 20% off any regularly priced items, excluding cases. For other promotional offers, please visit TheOrganicView.com's website. And don't forget to check out our contest section. On today's show, Tom and I are going to talk about some news from Australia and the situations beekeepers are facing down there, new rules on neonicotinoids in Minnesota, and the controversy over spraying for mosquitoes for the Zika virus. So I'd like to welcome to the show my co-host, Colorado beekeeper, Mr. Tom Theobald. Hello, Tom. Hello, June. From Colorado, we ran the first of the honey yesterday, so we're into the harvest. How are things looking? Well, you know, it's going to be a very short, small harvest. So we will get some honey, but it doesn't look good. Well, unfortunately, our friends in Australia are experiencing a lot of the things that you've been going through for the past several years. Our good friend Jeffrey Gibbs from Northern Light Beeswax, who's based in Australia, has been advocating for the protection of our honeybees for many years. He's also been on the show numerous times. Unfortunately, some of the concerns that we discussed several years back have now come to fruition. For example, it's been reported that commercial beekeepers are wintering losses of 30%, and now that is accepted to be normal. Well, Australia is an interesting case because Australia has been used as a defense of the neonicotinoid family of chemicals for at least 10 years, perhaps longer. And the reason is that Australia is the only remaining continent that does not have the varroa mite. The chemical companies have tried to pin most of these losses and damages on the varroa mite, and they have said about Australia, look, we're using neonicotinoids extensively in Australia, and yet the beekeepers are doing just fine. Well, the beekeepers are not doing just fine. They're having the same problems that beekeepers are having throughout the world, wherever these neonicotinoids have been introduced. And Australia is a little different because it has a lot of wild country called bush that the beekeepers can escape to that are free of these chemicals, and they're not as dependent upon cultivated agriculture as American beekeepers. But as agriculture has grown and changed, the Australian beekeepers have begun to pollinate things like canola and almonds, and they are seeing the same kinds of devastating losses that we're seeing in the United States and many other countries. And the recent article that just came out two days ago in the Australasian Beekeeper, a, uh, a journal of beekeepers in that part of the world, by Jeffrey Gibbs, a commercial beekeeper, Northern Light Candle Company, uh, 
Jeffrey outlines the problems that they are having in Australia, and they're the same as what we're having here in the United States. So this blows the cover for the chemical companies, and it will be interesting to see if or how they try to defend themselves against this article. Well, they're going to do what they've been doing all along, especially in the United States. I mean, this is par for the course, Tom. One of the commercial beekeepers that Jeffrey mentions has seen losses of 50%. Yes. That's exactly what folks like Jeff Anderson, Dave Hackenberg, and some of the more well-known commercial migratory beekeepers here in America have been talking about. Look at Jim Doan. Jim Doan lost his whole operation. But the bottom line is is that all this stuff, we've been talking about this for years. When Jeffrey first came on the show, I don't know how many years it's been, but it's been a number of years, he was saying that there were some major concerns about then, and now it's only gotten worse. Yes, it has. They're seeing the same things that we've seen. And remember, this is the last continent without Varroa. Varroa are not an issue in Australia. And that's the chemical companies have made great hay on that point. And here we are, no Varroa, high losses up to 50%. And I'm sure there are other beekeepers that are seeing losses of even more than 50%. Beekeepers tend to be an independent group of people. And they, they believe that they should just work hard, keep to themselves, and they don't want to get involved in all this controversy. And if anything, I think the Australian beekeepers are probably even more independent than the American beekeepers. So it's taken a long time for them to reach the boiling point. And I think we're here. Well, I think to a certain degree, some of the commercial producers down there were under the illusion that they had some sort of partnership with industry, that industry was going to do certain things and they would respect their boundaries, this and that. And that was what we learned several years back through a few interviews that we've done with some of the folks down there. You and I both knew, Tom, that it was fictitious. The whole relationship was nothing more than a facade because industry is going to do what industry wants to do. And the proof is in the pudding here in the United States. We're basically being laughed at by our counterparts in Europe. They're wondering, what are the Americans waiting for? Why aren't the American scientists stepping up to the plate? And we already know. We talk about this every single week, how you have great folks at the EPA, then you have the ones that have access to the information but choose to do nothing with it. And that's their job. Their job isn't to sit there and market for industry, their job is to protect the environment, and that includes honeybees as well as our own health. But it just doesn't happen. In fairness to the researchers, we do have researchers in the United States who have distinguished themselves. Yeah, Tom, we do have a number of scientists that have stepped up to the plate and spoken up, but with great consequences. Well, we're even reluctant to name these people because we don't want to put the spotlight on them and attract the opprobrium of the chemical industry. They're they're persecuted mercilessly if they come up with anything that casts aspersions on this family of chemicals. Look at what happened to all the scientists who were blowing the whistle about the impact of GMOs. The relentless pursuit of their credibility, of their 
means to provide for themselves and their family and their ability to continue to do research. Everything was annihilated. That's how industry works because to them, it's not about safety. It's not about anything other than the bottom line, which is profit. Yes. Interestingly enough, that ties into the next topic, which regards the new rules on neonicotinoids in Minnesota, which isn't necessarily new. It just seems to be a little bit of a recycled set of rules that they came up with to basically appease the Be Health advocates, but this isn't really much of any help. What do you think, Tom? Boy, it's hard to say. I think that the fact that the governor of Minnesota has issued an executive order amounts to a certain amount of political risk and a little bit of courage on his part. But uh, a close look at what's been proposed shows that there's really little change from what's already been done. And while we're very reluctant to, uh, to criticize this action, it does not appear that it is really going to accomplish anything of any substance. It's just business as usual, apparently. Now, the real question remains, will the governor take further steps to really begin to accomplish something? The problem here is that the neonicotinoids cannot be used judiciously. You can't just reduce the amount of usage because their poisoning of the environment is widespread and almost permanent. And if only one farm in 10 uses these chemicals, that's sufficient to contaminate and poison a wide area and much of the groundwater. And uh, this is a very, very, very serious problem. And these little baby steps are not going to solve it. It's like with the memorandums from the White House. And actually, I'm very surprised we didn't get a fourth one. We've had a presidential memorandum for the last three years announcing that there must be immediate action to help protect pollinators, and nothing this summer. I wonder why. I don't know. The task force was a disappointment because what Obama did. Disappointment or disaster? Well, both. He uh, put the EPA and the USDA in charge of this task force effort, and those are the very agencies that are in question. Well, he unleashed four GMO crops his first term, and GMOs are the companion technology to neonicotinoids, so what was he expecting? To put the genie back in the bottle? Well, that's a good question. What was he expecting? Was this just more smoke and mirrors, or did he really... Uh, honestly expect something to be accomplished because very little has been accomplished. What the EPA and the USDA representing the task force has suggested is simply a restatement of the challenges put forth in the presidential memorandum. For example, the president said that we've got to improve the survival of the monarch butterfly. And what the task force report says, we have to improve the the survival of the monarch butterfly by so much over such a period of time, but they provide no real uh, protocol to accomplish that. It's mostly words, you know, and we're beyond the point where these words will serve. We need action, not rhetoric. This is a tremendous environmental poisoning. They're doing their best to cover it up. 
The public is becoming very aware. I would uh, suggest that some of the listeners go to the uh, mosquito spraying that we were talking about and look at some of the comments. The people know. The people aren't being duped anymore. They know. And the chemical companies are very nervous about this because they can only survive if the people don't know. They count upon our ignorance, and we need to deprive them of that opportunity. Well, speaking of spraying, there's been a lot of controversy about Zika spraying and how it's impacting beekeepers. What puzzles me is the feedback that we're getting as though this is something new. Aerial spraying has been going on for a very long time. I remember with West Nile virus, there's not much notification given if you're if you're in an area where there's spraying. If you're a commercial beekeeper, yeah, you'll get notification. But if you're a hobbyist, good luck. Pay attention to what's going on. Contact your local elected officials. I, I don't know. Contact the Board of Health. Find out what, when and what they're spraying. All you really can do, they, it's not like they send an invitation to your house and say, oh, we're going to be spraying in the area. Well, actually, actually here, and I know in many other communities, they do just that. In fact, I got a call about three weeks ago that they were going to be spraying for mosquitoes. Well, what they do is they will shut the spray off at your driveway or at your property boundary as if that's going to accomplish things, something positive. Well... You've got to understand that that colony of bees or that yard of bees, which in the case of a commercial beekeeper might be two to four dozen colonies, those bees are going to forage over an area perhaps a, a mile to a mile and a half wide. So shutting off the nozzle at your driveway accomplishes little other than to just kind of placate you and pat you on the head. This uh, spraying in in North Carolina is a good example, and the unusual thing about that was they used aerial spraying of NALED, which is an organic organophosphate, very toxic to bees, and the result was what beekeepers would expect. There was a massive kill. Now, we'll get excuses. This will be the topic of conversation for a short period of time, and Next week or next year, it'll be another threat to humanity and another justification for this widespread spraying. I've been a beekeeper for 41 years. I've seen incidents just like this for many, many years, and I've been on the receiving end of many of them. Nothing has changed. They continue to do this, and the beekeepers suffer. Well, you lived through DDT spraying, well, no, especially when you were a kid, and they would spray when you were eating lunch. DDT was gone. Well, DDT was gone before I came a, became a beekeeper, but as a youngster, yes, they were using DDT extensively. Well, it's the same thing, Tom. It's just many years later, different chemical, different reason. The difference is that these uh, chemicals are far more toxic than DDT. Exactly. But once again, the method is the same, different reason, but the end result is the same. Well, each of these new pathogens, each of these new pathogens is a marketing opportunity for the chemical companies, and they're quick to exploit it. 
These uh, mosquito spraying efforts are a full employment program for the chemical industry. Well, having said that, folks, if you are a beekeeper and you have been exposed, we'd really like to hear from you. Please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. Well, Tom, thank you for joining me today. It'll be interesting to see how this unfolds in Australia, and hopefully Jeffrey Gibbs will be on very soon to talk about things firsthand. I think Jeffrey will have some very interesting things to relate because it will have been several days since the article came out. I expect that the chemical industry is going to crank up the propaganda machine, and we should be able to have an interesting discussion with Jeffrey when we get him on the show. I'm looking forward to it. Well, folks, have a happy and healthy Labor Day weekend. Thanks for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon.